and the first shot they took blew his head right off his body. I mean, if you can picture like a, a combat war scene, we're talking like a watermelon popping with teeth and brains hitting, just hit the car. My girlfriend screams, she's driving my car. Uh, they proceeded to shoot at my car probably 120 times. My car looked like Swiss cheese when it finally stopped rolling. We hit a parked car and the car did that NASCAR thing where flip, 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 flip. So I want to introduce our next guest is Mohawk Matt. He's an actor. He's a Solon clothing brand rep. He's a social media influencer. And he's been kicking surprise ass for the last five years. Mo, Mo, Mohawk Matt, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me, brother. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the show. Anytime. Yeah. Hey, uh, so you uh, are you a morning person? I am. Unfortunately, due to, uh, I guess, juvenile justice, prison, and military, uh, 7 a.m. is like, that's sleeping in extremely late for me. Yeah, is it? I mean, yeah. that is. I mean, that's the same thing for me, man. I can't. 7 a.m., 6.30, I'm just like, all right, I'm up. I'm ready. I have to get my day started. It's sad because the later I go to bed, too, it's the same thing. Yeah, I can go to bed at 2 in the morning, but by 7 a.m., if I'm not up, there's something wrong. Yeah. No, it's that internal clock just, boom, yep. open you up, man. Yeah. But good thing for coffee, man. That's what keeps me That's what keeps me going. Coffee kept me sober, bro. And it's a current <laughs> drive in my life. Nice. Nice, man. Nice. Yeah. Well, where did you uh, grow up at? I grew up in like the, I guess the north or the east part of the San Fernando Valley. Okay. What was Los that Angeles. about? Sorry? Oh, in Los Angeles? Yeah. San Fernando Valley is like a nice little big suburb valley right outside of the downtown LA area. Oh, okay. You yeah. grew up both parents up there? Yeah. I guess you'd say lower to middle class, nice, decent white family. Okay. Nice, yeah. man. Nice. Good neighborhood and all that good stuff. Yeah, I guess again, just a middle lower lower to slightly middle class neighborhood in the, in, in the city of Mission Hills, beginning and ended up in Sun Valley. Okay, yeah. where's where's Sun Valley? Is that close to Sun Valley? Is more east. It's on the, I guess the back end of the San Fernando Valley, connecting to Tahunga, where I guess the LA count, like the LA split, goes into into the LA area. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with LA. Um, you know, I try to avoid it because <laughs> of traffic, man. I mean, oh my god, bro, it's not LA itself, just the traffic, bro. It's an hour to get anywhere in LA. I, you have to give yourself about an hour to get anywhere. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's nuts, man. Yeah. That's why I avoid it. Yeah, man, nice, nice. So you grew up, uh, both parents, pretty, pretty good, loving parents and all that good stuff. I mean, I was adopted, yeah. So I mean, I had, I, but I still, I had pretty good parents. Both parents, they did my best. Dad's. Dad's Vietnam Air Force. Mom, mom was a Pacific Bell phone operator. Back if people are old enough to remember actually calling operators. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I, I never have. Oh um, Lord! But yeah, I know, man. I, I'm a, I'm younger, I guess. Yeah. What uh, so how you were adopted? When uh, when did you get put up for adoption? Uh, I was adopted from like right out the vagina. My birth mother had me, and my mom took me. Oh really? Yeah. Yep. So they were already just right off the rip. Oh, they wanted me. They were they wanted me. They were waiting for me. It was a, it was a really good thing. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. Have you uh, have you gotten contact with your biological mom? No, I don't want to. I look at it kind of like uh, I don't want to disrespect my mom. My mom has always been there for me, and she's a great mom. And I would never, 
I have no need to. I look at it like this lady wanted me, the other lady didn't. My mom has gone through hell and back with me, as you'll hear. So there's no way I'd even look for her. Yeah, no, I I get that, man. Yeah. I get that for sure. You know, so uh, you grew up, uh, you grew up there in L.A. in the yep. suburb of L.A. Yes, and uh, and you get in trouble or what? Were you a knucklehead? Well, the thing is, I I kind of um, I'm one of those white kids that doesn't have the excuse of growing up in the projects or the ghetto. I just watched Boys in the Hood in New Jack City one too many times, <laughs> and um, I brought myself to trouble. I found graffiti in in the 1990s in the Valley and in Los Angeles. Graffiti was just starting and it was huge. And uh, really? I got, I went balls to the wall involved in graffiti while I'm playing sports and trying to juggle school and graffiti and sneaking out. And uh, graffiti became a real big passion, a real big calling for me. Yeah. I mean, it's art and in some way, well, other than, you know, you're facing some, I guess you know, property, there's, but. there's a, there's difference in the artist aspect. And I was more of what you just call a tagger. I like getting my name up and writing. Uh, there's a difference gotcha. in some of the artists that are able to produce and make artwork, which is amazing, but they're not really taggers. They're artists. And I was gotcha. the other, I was the one that would write my name across your building 17 times back to back. Oh man. I bet you go, I bet you drove people nuts, man. So I did, did you go because, by Mohawk? Well, no, my, my graffiti name was effects, but back in the nineties, it was, uh, it was different because Business owners didn't like graffiti. You're getting attacked from business owners. You're getting chased around by gang members that didn't want you graffitiing. The cops were a lot more aggressive and hands-on in the 90s. They didn't have all this sensitivity training and shit. They were really hands-on, and you get your ass kicked by, by cops, gang members, and business owners. Today, it's really easy to be a graffiti artist because business owners are begging you to produce artwork on their wall. Companies are okay. Graffiti is so abundantly on the streets today. And they also make the supplies for kids and sell them in graffiti stores. We used to have to steal them or make them when I was a kid. And again, it's more, a lot of this stuff is more socially acceptable today that I would get in trouble for. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. But so you, uh, so you got caught by the police a couple of times? Oh, a few times. I got my ass kicked. I got, uh, I got, I went to jail a few times as a minor for vandalism a bunch of times. Yeah. I accumulated a lot of debt and fines. Yeah. No shit. Yep. <laughs> Uh, wow, back when they actually could do it and throw you in jail. Yes, nowadays you, know? you don't get, you basically have to kill somebody to go to jail today. You cannot, there's like most crime, they don't even arrest you anymore in LA. You basically have to physically kill someone or harm someone for you to even get arrested. It's, I don't understand what's happening, but it's weird. Do you, uh, did you find that that helped you though? Like getting your ass kicked by the gang members and the police? Um, in looking back, I can honestly tell you it built character. Was I don't think it helped me, but it built a better understanding and an appreciation for the psycho world the way it's rolling today. Um, the cops, like I said, they were more hands-on, and but it also pushed my group of guys in a graffiti crew to join a gang. So we made the next evolutionary step in joining a gang, a bunch of us, a bunch of us, a couple blacks, a couple Mexicans, and a bunch of white kids. We made that step up the ladder and it was a it was a huge culture shock huge oh, wow. culture did, you, shock. did you form your own gang or did you no. join a gang we took our whole tagging crew and joined and meshed into another already established gang in the city of sun valley and uh it was a different lifestyle one that i wasn't i didn't want to do it but i did it because i didn't want to let my friends down and uh it became very intense very intense 
Wow. So you're a pretty loyal guy then. Yeah, to a fault where it gets me in trouble sometimes. Ridiculous. Yeah, man. That can that can definitely get you yeah. into into some trouble, you know, if you're yes. not careful with it. Yeah. What uh so what gang did you join? We joined a gang called the Sun Valley Diablos in the city of Sun Valley. It was a mixture, it was mostly mostly Hispanics and with us joining, you know, we kind of increased their numbers and um they were kind of like they were not really that established of a gang, yet they were established. They were they were in a lot of trouble at the time. And when we joined them, uh, we got enmeshed in being in a lot of trouble with the gang that was already in trouble with all the surrounding gangs. So we didn't realize this, so it brought on a heavy level of action really quick. It was almost like going to war on the streets. Wow, what kind of stuff did you get into with them? Shootings, fighting, stabbings, car chases, uh, just constant riots and uh, like numerous people fighting at one time. I got so in a lot of living- trouble. I was selling drugs at the time too, and that had messed into me getting in a lot of trouble, which kind of in the process convinced me to join the Navy to get out of some trouble for a while. So that's, wow. And we'll, we'll definitely get into that here in a second. Yeah. So you, uh, you really took uh, Boys in the Hood movie to a white, whole new level. Bro, white kid, a suburban white kid took it to a whole new level, yeah. 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 Well, and in, in, by proxy, I find out I'm actually pretty good at it. But I knew the inner struggle I had inside me, It's I knew that, like, I, I didn't want to be doing it and I didn't like it. Mind you, I was good at it, but I struggled with myself because I didn't like doing it. Wow. And that probably, was that different from your friends? Because your friends were probably good with it, and but they didn't struggle internally with it? I mean, I never had this talk with them, but I know some of them just went along. Basically, a lot of the homies just go along with what everybody says, and I don't even know if they have their own thoughts and feelings. You know what I mean? I just know that I was struggling with it. Yeah, no kidding. You still yeah. keep in contact with uh, those guys today? Well, thanks to social media, yeah, I'm able to contact, stay in contact with a lot of them, yeah. Okay. Did they end up in prison and Yeah, jail all of us jointly thing? and separately spread out throughout the California jail system. Drug habits, drug habits were built and increased. Um, like I said, I got in some trouble and had, to, and I, I always wanted to be in the military, but I did join the Navy to get myself out of some trouble I was in. So was that when you went to the judge and judge like, Hey, listen, military. No, no, no. I had, I was, I was being wanted for a couple of crimes. So what I did was went and listed, I enlisted in the army first and then I got in a shootout the night before I was supposed to ship out to boot camp, And one of my friends that was enlisting with me was murdered in the backseat of my car. So Holy on the morning fuck. when I had to report to ship out, they were there with uh, MPs and everybody. And thank God I wasn't in trouble, but they did revoke my uh, enlistment. So I waited a week and then re-enlisted in the Navy. And the Navy didn't have as strict guidelines as the Marines or the Army and the Air Force do. The Navy's like, fuck it. You want to enlist? Let's go. I shipped out. Yeah, I don't know if the guidelines is... Uh you know, hey, if you were in a shootout within the next, you know, last two months, you can't join. Like, well, that no, but the army took it real serious because the kid that was killed, his mom kicked off a lot of dust, and it was embarrassing. It was kind of embarrassing that the couple of their recruits were out gangbanging and smoking crack the night before they're supposed to ship out <laughs> to boot camp. <laughs> so you were smoking crack in the car when it happened? Yeah, we were smoking crack. We got chased by some enemies, and my friend made the mistake. Um, it's, I mean, it's not funny. It's actually pretty sad. It makes it. Uh, it's a big thing I've never been able to let go of. Um, I took my friend out partying the night before we were supposed to leave, like I said, and um, he wasn't as experienced a gang member as I was. He's one of those kids, unlike me, that got jumped into a gang in an area he had no business being in. He wasn't 
he wasn't from that area. He uh, had no experience. And I took him down to his neighborhood to party with the homies for the first time. And while we're getting high and partying, we take off and we get chased by some enemies that were looking for me, shooting at me. And he sticks his head out the back window after I warned him and he's not wearing a seatbelt. And the first shot they took blew his head right off his body. I mean, I mean, if you can picture like a, a combat war scene, we're talking like a watermelon popping with fucking teeth and brains hitting, just hit the car right after me warning him, don't get out of your seat. I didn't even finish saying that. And he looks out the back window and boom, my girlfriend screams, she's driving my car. Um, they proceed to shoot at my car probably 120 times. My car looked like Swiss cheese when it finally stopped rolling. We hit a parked car and the car did that NASCAR thing where it flipped, 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 flipped down, a, down a dark street. We came to rest next to a Grand Cherokee and, and they sped off. And uh, my friend was dead and he was, because he wasn't wearing a seatbelt after getting shot, his body was lodged through the front windshield, half in the front windshield, half out with no head where the whole car is soaked with blood. My girlfriend has her ribs broke because she's the only one wearing a seatbelt. Her nose, her cheeks are broken from hitting the steering wheel. Um, I'm crouched under a dashboard and I tell this because I, I try to tell people how serious these things can be. I don't know what was guiding me or protecting me. I did not have a seatbelt. They were shooting at me. I had three bullet holes through my jeans in the, like, the crotch area. Again, the crotch area of my jeans, there were three bullet holes. And when they recovered the shells from the car, there was a mixture of 38, 380, and 45 hollow point slugs they were shooting at us. And again, I've got three bullet holes through my jeans. I'm soaked in blood. There's there's pieces of brain matter on my head. There's fucking teeth in my girlfriend's hair. And my friend's dead and I pull my girlfriend out of the car and, and uh, I'm sitting on a curb just realizing, Jesus Christ, like, like, like well, I don't know, I can't even begin to explain the fear that I'm going through at that moment after seeing that. Because, you know, you're you're from a gang and you're doing gang shit or like you enlist in the army and you go out to war. You never expect to really actually, even when you enlist to go shoot people, you don't really expect to be involved in something like that. You never expect that something like that's going to walk up your door. Yeah, and uh, 100%. I still can't get the guilt, the, the, the shame, the fear everything of, of me taking this kid down to hang out and try to be tough one last night got him killed and i've still never been able to talk to his mom his mom has tried to talk to me i i can't i can't i don't know i don't know what i'd say to her you know and um yeah i mean do you think that would possibly help you with some closure with it too after all these years i mean you know because uh, it seems like she's forgiven you no i don't think she has she was it was extremely it's one of those things where it was really like uh my mom had a, had a, had an idea. was really nervous. Um, she kept wanting to take me out alone and isolate me. Now I'm not going to say anything bad about this woman because of what happened, but there was a definite fear. Like she was angry at me and like, I wasn't going to let this lady kill me because her son was killed. That's the bottom line. She was very aggressive and was saying some weird things that was not like closure. I got closure by talking to God. I handled it with God myself and, and that's all I can do. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and maybe, maybe in that instance, because uh, you got to go with your gut, man. Well, yeah. I mean, you I've know. been a gang member and I've been in the military. So I have a gut feeling. My mom had a gut feeling. And I just, I, I went with it. I, I tried to speak to her on the phone and it got a little, little weird. So I had to, I had to just uh, deal with what I felt was the best response to that situation. Yeah. I understand. Was that the first time you saw death? 
like that, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had friends die and I've seen someone die, but that was the first like intense thing. And mind you, I was in the service. I didn't see combat. I never saw combat in the service. Right. I just enlisted. Um, so I don't know what that's like. That was the closest I got to it. And that was on the streets how, of the San Fernando Valley. I mean, that's, that's pretty gruesome, dude. I mean, yeah. how old were you from that point until you went into the military? Well, right after. I was gone within like a few months. I enlisted. I went out. After, after I, 18? After I found out. I was like 18, maybe 19, maybe. Um, I found out that I couldn't go in the Army, so I waited, like I said, a week or two, went to the Navy and enlisted. And I was gone. Boot camp. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you hit this gang life up. Uh, and really, you, you kind of have a, a kind of a a different story than most people because most people join gangs for survival. Yeah. You did it for really thrill and to be a loyal homie, man. Yeah, well, and also I feel like with the culture in Los Angeles, a lot of people join gangs because they're just, that's where they're, they're where they grow up and they just evolve growing up into this lifestyle because it's in their, it's in their city, in this, it's in their neighborhoods, on their blocks, it's part of their friends and their, and their lifestyle on the streets they live in. I, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a hood. I took myself to it and I, uh, out of loyalty to a group of friends that joined, I I, I followed suit and it it backfired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say so. Yeah. So then you, uh, I mean, that's a long time to live with this. You know, it's survivor skill. Yeah. What that is, man. That's yeah. a long time, man. Yeah. You know, um, I uh, man, I couldn't imagine. Honestly, I can't. I mean, I close my, my my eyes some nights and I still see it. I can still feel like the it's weird. I can feel the jolting of the car as it flips. And I can still, I mean, you can still smell when there's that. I tell people a lot, like you see movies and shit, but it doesn't prepare you for how much blood really comes out of a human body when things, you could smell the blood. It was that thick and it was just so much blood in this car. And it was, uh, it was intense. And then to get out of this vehicle, after I dragged my girlfriend to safety to the curb, the cops finally come on scene and they arrest me thinking I'm the shooter and I'm in a jail cell all weekend as a minor. My mother's furious. She's kicking up, you know, causing trouble. These cops are trying to interrogate me and I'm a minor. The cops are breaking all the laws and standards they have that they're allowed to do an interrogation. That's why I tell people, yeah. man, be lucky. Be thankful the cops don't fuck with you because in my day, they'll beat your ass, lock you in a jail cell for the weekend. They don't give you a phone call. Yeah. Yeah. Times have changed. Times have really changed. Yeah. Did that kind of, did that kind of build like a hatred for cops? Why you were doing this at yeah, that time? Yeah, I mean, I've got fucked the sheriff's department tattooed on my head due to a lot of incidents I've had with the sheriffs. And uh, I, I, but I mean, like, um, I've let it go. Like, I was telling someone the other day, once I got sober, they don't really fuck with me anymore. It's something about my behavior, my attitude, the way my energy, like, it's almost yeah. like they don't, you know, because like cops are like, they're like animals, just like gang members and military. We're all like predators. You can sense and you can feel another danger in your perim perimeter. And mm -hmm. cops, I feel they have to be that way as well. And back in the day, I looked at it like they were doing their job. I was doing my job. I'm a criminal. You're a cop. I'm doing what I got to do to get away with what I'm doing. It's your job to try and catch me. So there's yep. always that definite Tom and Jerry dynamic with us. But at the same time, they did do a lot of foul shit back then. And then so did we. So today, living sober and being better, paying taxes, having a job, I, I don't really, like, I'm not going to say I like them ever. I'm never going to like them. But I also don't fuck with them, and they're not fucking with me. So I like that dynamic a lot better. Yeah. So you got a mutual respect. I, I mean, I don't, oh. I don't know if I want to go so far as say I respect them. Let's <laughs> yeah. just say that we're good. All we're right. good. They don't yeah. fuck with me. I don't fuck with them. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, we get that. That's yeah. understandable. Yeah. So did you, uh, during this, uh, gang life, did, were you getting tattoos? Yeah. I started, well? I started getting tattoos when I was in my graffiti life. I started out with a graffiti tattoo. Oh, no kidding. Was yeah. that your, uh, tag name? No, I got my tag and cruise name on my arm. I've since covered it up, but yeah. Okay. And you didn't, I mean, you went in the military. You didn't go in the military with fucked sheriff's department on your No, head, I had you? half sleeves and underneath the t-shirt. That all, all this extra shit came after I left. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Well, back so then you, you weren't uh, allowed to have many tattoos. Today, uh, they, I mean, they're basically letting you go up to the neck now and shit I heard. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the neck, uh, hell, I've even seen guys with like piercings and shit, like nose piercings. Uh, I think, piercing. I'm pretty sure I saw a Navy guy with a face tattoo, a little small one, he covers up makeup, I think. Probably. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't believe it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would believe it. Well, the Navy's um, always been a little bit more liberal on their standards. They got, I mean, we got the best uniforms and the best, uh, I feel in the best and the best transportation, but like they've always been a little bit more liberal, open-minded because we're out at sea. Nobody really sees us. We're not in the public yeah. eye that much. Yeah. 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 We're on the floating city. Yeah. Well, that's what yeah. I was on. I was on aircraft carrier. Oh, were you? Yeah. What, uh, what'd you go in the Navy as? I was DC two damage control. Basically a fireman maintenance guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it, Kind of helped you segue getting out of this gang life, right? Kind of. No, because what happened was I enlisted and I did about a year and a half. I got deployed and I got migraine headaches. So I got what's called a medical honorable discharge with full pension because they okay. should have caught it when I did my meds, my military entrance processing. They should have caught that in the physicals. And it actually messed me up. I didn't want to come back. I didn't want to, I didn't want to come home, but, but I had no choice. The headaches, I get migraine headaches still that are so bad that like it, it incapacitates me for a day or two. I'm done. I'm down. I can't function when I get one. I'm throwing up. I can't handle light or sound. And, uh, they're, they're pretty intense. So that, that got, but I mean, Hey, it got me a full pension and a veteran status. Yeah. 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 Did that, uh, did that ever change when you, uh, where you got incarcerated? Did they like take your veteran pension? No, away no, and- no. What happens is my benefits do stop. So every time I go to jail, it stops while I'm incarcerated. When I get out, I have to reactivate it. Oh, so they don't pay you while you're in jail? No, no. The, the like government's that. not paying yeah. you while you're in jail. No. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I mean, I I've, don't know, man. I was, I was wondering, I was like, man, you said you got medically retired. I was like, all right. Yeah. I was like, how's that work when you're incarcerated? Do you, like, well, because you when get- I left the Navy, after I left, after I got a uh, medical honorable, I was so mad and I got to that point in my life where I'm blaming you. I'm blaming America. It's all your fault. Not realizing it was just a simple mistake of them not catching a prior condition I already had. It wasn't the Navy's fault. It wasn't America's fault. But I went balls to the wall back to my gang, started committing crime at a higher intensity level and ended up going to prison. Mind you, I'm going to prison now with a lot more experience and training. So I'm a little bit more dangerous. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I started you, selling so you drugs. Got medically, huh? Really? Yeah. yeah. So you got medically retired and immediately just went right back to gang life. Well, because I blamed everyone. That my, my goal was to transition back out of the gang life. I wanted to go career. I wanted to stay. Like, my dream since I was a kid and I saw fucking Top Gun was to be on one of them big-ass ships. I didn't care what it was I did. I don't care what my... I just wanted to be on one of them big-ass things in the greatest fighting force I feel America's ever had. Those I fucking agree. warships, whether you're a destroyer, a battleship, a cruiser, a goddamn aircraft carrier, bro, we have conquered the world with those things so many times. And and I just wanted to be a part of that ever since I saw Top Gun. I feel we got the best pilots, the best special forces, like the Navy's the shit. And when I got washed out, I was like, man, 
my dream since childhood is done. What do I do now? And I wow. wanted to, I had to find, I wasn't mature enough to realize it's just an accident. You still got sure. a pension. You're technically a veteran. Be happy with that. I didn't have to go to war like a lot of guys, but I blamed you. I needed to blame somebody. So I went back to committing crime. I thought that was the answer. Did you, when you went in the service, yeah. did you take what you learned on the streets with you in the service? Oh yeah. And did that help you out in the service? I mean, I, like feel, leadership? I feel a little bit because a lot of guys that are like, like, like uh, not social that are socially awkward. I remember mm -hmm. in boot camp they have a hard time making friends. I went into service into boot camp already knowing how to be a team player. Being a gang member and shit, you're a team player. You work as a group. You work as a unit. You function. You contribute to a team. So I joined already with these and it just intensified it. That's yeah. awesome, man. That's crazy. Yeah. That's that's nuts. So you get out. You get medical retired. You go back to gang life. Full, and what and I'm that talking, like? I went back to gang life full on. Full yeah, on. Like, and like, what was, what was the first? I'm committing crime. Shootings are more intense. My gang life has evolved way more intense now. My gang is a little bit more established, a little bit. And uh, my, um, I start selling drugs and I had the bright idea to start trying drugs at the age of 21 after I get out. And my first drug I ever tried while I'm actively gangbanging and selling drugs is crack cocaine and if you're old enough to remember crack cocaine in the 90s it was it was worse than meth there was a, our epidemic back then was crack it was everywhere and it crack cocaine from the first hit i tried mind you i had up to this point i've never drank a beer oh, i gotta plug in the charge i've never drank a beer i've never smoked a cigarette i have never uh i've never okay this is not gonna sit now that i'm charging um I've never drank a beer. I've never uh, smoked a cigarette. I've never smoked a joint like most kids. I went straight so, to crack cocaine. So prior, so prior to this, like your friend getting his head shot off, you weren't you weren't actually participating in smoking the crack then. No, no, we were just out partying. Everybody else was. Oh no shit! Yeah, yeah. And, wow. So I you, tried you crack kept cocaine. Yourself, that's really an anomaly, man. Yeah. Like you kept yourself clean well, i was selling drugs on and off throughout the years i was one of those kids that was smart enough to sell and not do it oh fuck and then after you get out then you're like screw it yeah yeah, yeah. it was just that first hit of crack cocaine and you my just life was immediately done within one year i'm no longer reliable i'm not a good gang member i'm selling and trading everything i own i'm stealing from you i'm stealing from everybody no shit. you're breaking yeah. in people's houses everything whatever you can imagine i'm doing it bad Bad. Really? Yep. Yeah. I mean, you never, I imagine you probably never took anybody's life when you. No, 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 no. But I would steal from my parents, your parents. It didn't matter. Crack cocaine was in charge. Crack cocaine yeah. was driving the car at that point. Yeah. That's what people don't quite understand about drug, you know, yeah. drug addicts. You know, they're, you know, could be good human beings and decent yeah. human beings. Yeah. <laughs> they're just trying to feed this beast within them. Yeah, they are. And it's crazy. You know, and they will feed it any way yeah. imaginable. Yeah, so you uh, you get out of the Navy, man, and you go back into gang life. Walk us through, like, how did they accept you back out after you came out of the Navy? Well, they didn't care. I had to, I mean, not to sound like weird, but like my homeboys supported it. I had a couple of other homeboys that went in the military army and like they supported it. See, it, the, for the most part, gang life isn't as bad as society wants you to think. Society wants you to think that we're out there robbing old ladies and, and, and attacking innocent people, shooting people to join the gang. Like there's a common misconception where they tell people that we join gangs by initiations are to murder an innocent person. That's the biggest crock of shit ever. 
No gang is going to lose one of their valuable recruits by having him kill an innocent person and go to prison immediately for 20 years. Believe it or not, contrary to belief, they actually need you on the streets posted up in the hood. When you go to jail, it's actually sad and fucked up. I mean, it is part of the process and you do make a name for yourself and you do represent the gang there. But at the same time, they, most gangs would actually prefer you to be on the street with them. They don't really want you in jail. Oh, yeah, and, you're making and we're definitely not out there attacking victims. I, I explain gang life to people that don't understand it because, you know, YouTube and a lot of these reality shows, they try to make Americans think that we attack innocent people. That's not true. If it happens, it's probably an accident because it does happen and it's usually accidental. I can vouch for, let's just say, I'll vouch for the Los Angeles gang community. We do not, okay, Hispanic gangs and the white Gang systems, I don't know about the Asians or the Crips and Bloods, but for like 99% of us, we do not target innocent people. If or when that happens, it's usually accidental. We look at gangbanging like military looks at a war. The Marines and the Army are fighting China's army. We're fighting another army. We like to fight other guys that are playing the same game as us. So we're fighting other gangs that know that they're in the gang war that we're in. So we're fighting people that are, we're playing Monopoly with people playing Monopoly, basically. You sure. know what you're doing. So we're not I just mean, out there. We don't just roll up and shoot Tony on the bus bench because we just felt like being a gang member. That That's dumb. Well, that's going to bring a lot of heat. Yeah. Um, and, and, and not society, only every gang in but, society is going to be like coming in at you too. And well, yeah, but please. society likes to paint that picture. And I get it. You want, you want to deter people from joining gangs. Cool. But that's not a true history of our legacy. And there's also the fact of, uh, um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Um, like they like to portray these weird things in the prison movies and stuff. Like there's always like this gay raping going on when we go to prison. That's actually 100% wrong. When you go to prison as a Hispanic or a white male, for sure, there is none of that gay stuff going on under any circumstances. It doesn't happen. In fact, you can get in a lot of trouble for even being in that lifestyle when you go to prison with the rest of us. That stuff is kept completely segregated for most of us. And they always include the rape scene in prison movies, but that's not legitimate at all. Really? Yeah, that's complete that, I, farce. Wow, I, I mean, I wouldn't know, man. I mean, so, because yeah. that's the, old, the only thing we have to go off of. Is movies is, and stuff like being, that. Yeah, that's yeah, what's being portrayed, right? So that perception is reality. 100% wrong perception. That's crazy. Wow. No, that's, dude, I'm glad. Yeah. You know, um, I'm glad that you're you're uh, yeah. kind of breaking that up because I would have I would have gone through my whole life going, fuck, if I ever go to prison, I'm going to get raped. Yeah, it doesn't happen at all. It's, it's actually, you can probably get stabbed. No disrespect to any group, but you probably can and will get stabbed for being gay if you're acting that way and you're not in a protective housing situation. That's where all that goes on. That doesn't go on oh. in the main general population with the rest of us Viking and warrior gang members. It just doesn't happen. It's it's non-existent. There's no, all, the drop the, alive. all those drop the soap scary stories you hear. You, It's funny. I told this the other day. You could literally be nude with 40 men and... and, and uh, it's true. When you do the shower scenes, those are legitimate. You'll see 40 men sometimes in group showers, nude, showering together, nuts to butts sometimes. You could literally drop your soap in the middle of a bunch of nude men, bend all the way over and crack your ass, and nothing would happen. But men would actually move out of the way to give you room to pick up your soap. Wow. I, I've seen that happen. I've been involved in that. That's how, that's how it is. There's none of that weirdo stuff. <laughs> 
Oh, damn. All right. Yeah. I, I'm glad we broke that myth, man. Yeah. Well, you know, we could break a lot of myths, yeah. you know, in this episode. So yeah. I, I'm kind of really excited with it. And the show wouldn't be made possible without our sponsors Red, White, and Badass Brew and Go Man Go Productions. Your vision is our mission because we see it too. So you went to, uh, so what, you went back to the gang. What was the first thing that led you go to the prison for your first time? What did you uh, get caught I doing? I think it was like, it was like an assault or something. I I went to prison not long after trying crack. I was smoking crack for a long time and that my life went downhill. And, you know, I started committing a series of stupid crimes. I, I got arrested for a uh, possession of crack cocaine. And that took me to county jail for a really uncomfortable experience, which made me realize when you go to the county jail system for the first time, you got to make a decision if what race group you're going to be a part of. And that's a reality, whether people like it or not. And my gang was like, they were just a gang, but they were more Hispanic than white. But when I went to jail, I, I just, I stayed with my, with, with the white boys and I, my journey went that way. So from, what was it, was it a decision? Like, did you have a decision? Like, hey. Well, yeah, you always have a decision. I was asked by, when, you know, when you're going through the processing, it's very uncomfortable. And it's very, very uncomfortable. What, very what scary, by, very, very intense. And I was, what do you mean? well, you're, you're always approached in a huge, overwhelming setting. Like where I went to the LA County Jail, I was approached by one white guy. They couldn't tell if I was white or Mexican. And he's like, hey, what race are you? And I said, well, obviously I knew what race I was. I'm white. And he goes, okay, you're over here with us. At that moment, they didn't really care what gang affiliation I was. He asked me one simple question. I answered it. Mind you, I'm not going to lie. I was scared. Jail's scary. If anybody says they're not scared, their first time in jail, they're full of shit. And wow. so I, I answered the question and he goes, okay, you're with us. Come over here. And that's where it began. And you never alter it from there. So that was that, that one, that one question. It was it. And it's like, so if you would have said, you know, I'm Mexican. You would have went to the. Well, I feel the, like there's like there's a difference in being affiliated with Mexicans, and there's a difference in am I Mexican? No, I'm not. I grew up with them, and I tell everybody how much I love them. I was raised with them. I grew up with them. I'm affiliated with them, but I am not Mexican myself. And I just never wanted to be one of those embarrassing white guys that pretends to be Mexican that everybody else is making fun of behind his back. Because that's a reality too, whether people like it or not. All those guys that are slightly confused. They might be okay, but they're also behind their back, made fun of whether they want to admit it or like it or not. Their own people make fun of them. And I yeah. didn't want to be in that category. Yeah. I'm a white boy. Yeah. I grew up with Mexicans and that's just how it is. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, I mean, it's crazy. And that's decision time. And it's on yeah. the spot, sounds like. So I went to prison yep. for like my first time was like three years and six months. I came home for 90 days or something. Back to prison for three years and eight months. Wait, hold on. You went first time for some crack and some other assault, yeah. and you went for three years. And three years at and this six time, months. I come home for nine, six come home for ninety days, three years, eight months, and then I come home for about a couple months, and I caught 
I was sentenced to nine years and I did 12 years on it. It's a total of give or take 19 years. Wait, you were sentenced nine years yeah. and you did 12 years? Yeah. Because of you got in some trouble while you were in I game? chose to get very politically involved in the jail system because back then being sentenced to nine years, to me, that was a lifetime. Yeah. Nine years. I mean, that's a long fucking time. Like, well, um, to me, that was like, my life's over. I'm done. I'm just going to go get involved. And I did. What does that mean? Get involved in the... Well, I got involved in all the politics, uh, the gang stuff, all of that stuff in, in jail. What, is, what does that stuff look like? Because, I mean, to like... People, the only thing we got to go off, like we said, like movies, but what does that look like to somebody who hasn't been? Um... I don't want to say too much. Well, in today's world, you know, I, I try to limit what I talk about with prison because some of that stuff is kind of is really touch and go. Um, I just got involved in all the white stuff in jail and um, uh, it gets very, um, it's touchy in jail. Um, you know, there's, there's a, you have Crips and Bloods, you got the Southsiders and you have the White Boys. The White Boys are broken down by two groups. You got Skinheads and Woods. I'm a Wood. And I got heavily involved in those politics when it what, comes to so tattoos. So you have two, so you have ta you have two uh, white races in prison. Well, no, no, there's only one. There's well, I mean, there's only really three races in the world, I believe. You got white, Asian, and black, and then you got in the jail. These races are broken up between cars. You got the white boys have skinheads and woods. The the Mexicans have paisas and Southsiders, Southerners. The blacks have Bloods and Crips, and you, then they throw in another group where all the Asians are in their own category called others in the jail system okay and but there's not a heavy presence of of uh like latinos and stuff like that yeah that's the, that's the south siders and the paisas they have their group they're two different groups too okay gotcha so what's a wood so we i mean everybody knows what skinhead is but what's a wood wood just a white boy we're just white boys we're just you know pecker woods we're just uh regular white boys oh okay i okay. mean I'm not, I'm not gonna yeah i'm just gonna leave it at that yeah okay yeah. It's kind of like for probably like Aryan Brotherhood type thing, right? Uh, uh, those uh, those are the, the those are the big dogs. We'll just yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. All right. So you went uh, in and out of prison. So what did you do to get nine years? Uh, so I got into a home invasion robbery. They called it, but towards the end of my ninety days being out from the last term, I started to feel very uncomfortable, and I was doing drugs and selling drugs in a short time. I had a brand new car. I had a friend that was tagging along with me. And uh, I started to get that feeling that a lot of us get where like, uh, it's time to quit this lifestyle. It's time to quit getting high. And I decided one day to get sober on my own for the first time and try it out. And I gave my friend, my road dog, uh, I don't want to say her name. I gave my friend a bunch of drugs, all my needles, a bunch of money for food. And I said, listen, I'm going to get sober, take all this shit. I'm gonna drop you off at your friend's house, which was a horrible, filthy trap house. I said, do whatever you want, but leave me alone. I'm getting sober. I'm gonna sleep this off for like three days and then I'm gonna try to figure some shit out what to do next. And uh, I said, the only thing I'm gonna ask you is don't call me, don't bug me, I'm going to sleep. I hadn't been to sleep for like two weeks doing meth. You know, crack had evolved into meth and me selling meth and doing all this psycho shit. And uh, She's like, okay, cool. I give her like an ounce of drugs, a bunch of needles, some money. Within an hour or two, she's already calling me. The drugs are gone. She went to this trap house. They used the drugs. They sold the, whatever they did. All the drugs are gone. The food's gone. The money's gone. Obviously, you know, drug addicts, how drug addicts are. Whatever she did with it, she did. Um, 
and she's harassing me, blowing up my phone for a few hours. And I answer the phone, I'm like, what the fuck do you want? And she's like, uh, come pick me up there. You know, all, everything's gone. I'm like, well, that's that's on you. I gave you a lot of shit that should last you a week. That's on you. We argue, we argue to the point where now I'm up again. I can't go back to sleep. I'm mad. I drive down there aggressively in, a, in this fucking badass Eldorado Cadillac that I had all hooked up. And I get down there and I went ape shit. I had an eight pound sledgehammer and I went ape shit on this double wide trailer. Um, I uh, I busted in this trailer and I was being recorded by another trailer across the way. I didn't know this at that point. There was a neighbor on the bout on the porch because I guess the trailer in this trailer park is known for a bunch of bad activity and bad people already. This guy's recording me. I get out. I bang on the back door with this eight pound sledgehammer. My friend comes out in California. They got there's different parameters for what they call kidnapping when they can arrest okay. you for it. And I grab my friend by the hair and shove her down five steps. When you move someone against their will up to like a foot or something like that, or a couple feet, that constitutes kidnapping. And I did that on camera. Mind you, she's not being kidnapped. She's going with me, but the camera shows different when you move someone that looks like it's against their will. And I shove her down the stairs by her hair and tell her, get the fuck in the car. I proceed to go in this trap house that has robbed my friend and she's telling me that they took all the dope, they won't give her the dope, they, they spent the money. So I go in here angry, you've all woke me up, you took the drugs I gave my friend with an eight pound sledgehammer and I busted everything in this fucking double wide trailer. I busted the fridge, this anything ceramic that wasn't bolted down, sinks, toilets, fucking uh, tables, chairs, everything. Like a fucking wild berserker, I'm in this trailer. The family has all huddled back, bunch of tweakers and some kids. They got no business with kids in this trailer. They're all getting high in front of kids. They're all huddled back in this fucking room, now scared. And I hear her say, 911, it's Mohawk Matt, blah, blah, blah. He's associated with all the white boys in prison. She gives the cop, the operator, all my information. He's got a green Cadillac. The girl in the trailer stitches on me and my brain goes off. I got two minutes to get out of this place. Oh, fuck. I go outside and I tell him, I look at my friend and, and the and the guy's recording me. I didn't know if there was audio and video on this other camera. And he's like, I'm calling the cops. And I look at this guy on camera, not knowing, point the sledgehammer at him and say, if you don't shut the fuck up and mind your business, basically, I'm going to kill you. Boom. There's like five, six felonies all in this little activity right here. And... Uh, he says, I'm, I've already called the police, they're on the way. You can start to hear sirens not too far away. I get in the car, we take off, we go on a short high-speed chase before I realize I can't get away from it. There's no way to, you see these high-speed chases all the time, I'm not dumb, there's no way to beat a high-speed chase. They're gonna get me eventually, you know what I mean? This isn't a fucking, yeah. this isn't the movie Heat with Robert De Niro, I'm not getting away <laughs> from this, you know? So I pull over on halfway up to Palmdale Lancaster and tell her to get out of the car. And she looks at me, she goes, all right, check it out. I got your back, don't trip. I, I'm not gonna testify, I got you. I'll make sure you get off. And I'm like, yeah, sure you will. You know, yeah, sure you will. She gets out of the car, the cops get her. I turn around and let the cops get me. I'm in custody. Uh, I, they get me real quick. I go to I go to jail. I fight this case for like 19 months in the LA County Jail. You die a little bit every day in the LA County Jail. It's like the worst why, why place. Violence, violence, politics, just aggressive cops. But lo yeah. and behold, this fucking chick, I love her to death, man. She fucking went on the stand and said, 
nah, that's my friend. He didn't kidnap me. Fucking, we were just fooling around. He didn't make, he didn't make me go anywhere against my will. Um, I did this willingly. Um, he takes the stand for, she takes the stand for me. They drop kidnapping. They drop half the charges throughout the course of me fighting this case. And they got me with two counts of criminal threats, felony vandalism. Um, and I think home invasion sends me to nine years. Damn. Is it because of your past record? They were like, okay, repeat offender, third time, third strike, you're out. Yeah, that was a third strike case. But they, they throughout the process, they gave me what's called the Romero Act. So they struck a strike to keep me at a two-strike level. Back when three strikes were a real thing. And um, they, sentenced, they, they sentenced me to nine years. And I went up, I went up state and, and uh, I was mad. I blamed everybody. My behavior was crazy. I was fighting everyone. Anything was on site. Um, I, I raised my hand and got all, all involved like you do, like for the whites when I got to prison. And um, that was it. Uh, it, was a, it was a bumpy ride in prison. Yeah, getting a lot more trouble in prison. Yeah, I, I got in trouble all the time. Um, I, and again, I say this only because uh, I, I limit what I talk about with inside prison because I don't, uh, I was able to retire, thank God, in good graces. And I don't want any backlash on what we're supposed to talk about and not supposed to talk about. Because I'm going to say this too. A lot of these guys come on these shows and they just go verbal diarrhea, giving out information, giving names, giving details. Uh, who's who, where, where, I'm going to limit myself on that because you can technically still get yourself in some trouble by what you say out loud. And there's a really big interest in America today with these podcasts where Joe and Susie in Idaho want to learn about prison gangs and prison politics. Well, you don't really need to know about our prison stuff unless you want to go to prison. I know that it's really popular and, and entertaining and everybody wants to hear about white boys and white supremacy and, and gangs and crips and bloods. Well, I mean, in all honesty, you really don't need to know about that unless it's your lifestyle. And the people that speak out on it without refraining on some aspects can get in serious trouble. Yeah. So, no, I get that. I and, watch, and I watch is, what I say. Yeah. This is just more of you, of okay. your journey kind of in the prison system. Yeah. And like, that's, and that's well, what it's unfortunate, really but my journey in the prison system is also connected and intertwined with a bunch of other men. Yeah. So it's, it's very important. Like a lot, a lot of these guys that, uh, I'm not going to say some of their names, but they just build. Yeah, yeah don't say their names. Yeah, they their names build out. empires on YouTube with these things they talk about, and they don't know that people are actually waiting for them. To, if they ever slip up and return to jail, they have they have some stuff waiting for them. Oh shit! Yeah. So yeah. so they're saying it out here. So probably outside of jail, you're not going to probably get a whole bunch. But if they ever get themselves back into jail, well, you people forget that inmates have cell phones. They watch all of oh. these documentaries are being watched. Letters come home from the prison systems talking about, for example, oh, Mohawk Matt was on that YouTube show. He said too much. Let him know that we'll see him when we see. Like, I don't want a threat coming back through a letter with my name on it. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, because yeah, they don't need to deal with them. They watch all of these shows that we do. Really? Yes, How do they get access phone. to it? There are cell phones smuggled in prison systems. Yeah, so that's real. That's a real cell thing. Cell phones, yeah. drugs. So did you ever get off of drugs while you were in prison? Oh, no, my drug, just... my drug habit was more intense with heroin in prison and a little bit of meth. It was bad. No shit. Yeah. Is that how, did you get it by your like correctional officers and stuff like that? Would they smoke? Let's just say it was you? there. It just, it was just in jail. However, it was yep. in jail and I got strung out in jail. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. So is that some, is that, uh, 
what you see in movies, is that kind of real how interaction between inmates and correctional officers are? Um, it depends. Some corrections officers are cool. Some of them are just guard. A lot of, look at corrections officers aren't cops. They're just guards. They're high paid guards. They rely on overtime. The more inmates are fighting and fighting with ourselves, the more overtime and the better job they have. They don't want us to get along because if we get along, they don't have overtime. They're not doing their job. Oh, wow. So California needs some us of the beef, to huh? fight against each other so they can have overtime and, and secure jobs. If we're all getting along and we're just doing our time easy, they can cut their staff down by half. So, yeah. Huh. So they've, yeah. And then their funding gets cut. Yeah. They're funny. They don't, they yeah. don't want that. Like right now, the prison system is at like an all time low with releasing a bunch of lifers that they all were expecting to re reoffend and go back. Well, I think it's like a 0% return rate right now. They've released a lot of heavy murderers and people, and they've all been so happy to come home that they've just retired and quit and they're paying taxes and working. They've gone back to being good members of society. So all of their, the prison system's hopes are backfiring on them. Really? So yeah. the, did you have programs in there to like reform and stuff like that? They are in there if you look for them, but they're not that available. Like they want you to think that they rehabilitate you. No, for you to be rehabilitated, you have to go after it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, been out, not- I've been out almost 10 years. So like for me, it wasn't that available. I, from what I understand now, it's a little bit different. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, good that it's shifting and changing, yeah. right? And making it more readily available because, yeah. you know, if you guys can get out and, and gals and reform and become taxpayers and all that, yeah. that's great. I mean, yeah, you that's know? what I did. It took me a while though. Yeah. When I came home from prison after all that time and they finally let me out, I came home with a pretty bad drug habit. And I also uh, had PTSD at a, at a really aggressive level. Yeah, you don't have to go to war to have PTSD, man. No, I, I mean, mean, I got you were you were you were in a different war. Yeah, it was. And, and prison is like a war. I mean, you can any riots are like any any riots. It's not like the military where we're shooting from across fields. You're going hand to hand like brave hat with other grown men of different races and gangs. That half of them are probably bigger than you, and you're going at it with handmade knives. It's 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 gladiator school. It's very scary. That's why I tell people it's not like these prison shows you see. There's one movie, though, I will say is pretty close. It's a movie called Shot Caller. I recommend you watch that. Recommend you watch that on Netflix. That's a really good look at how we lived in prison. I'm I'm putting it down, man. I'm definitely going to be checking it out. So did you, was it ever, uh, so you've been in probably multiple riots then? Yeah, I've been in a few, yeah. Yeah, that's, man, that's wild, you know. What is uh, what was your scariest moment in the riot? I mean, my in a riot, it's just um, it's hand to hand combat. Um, it's it's kind of scary when you rush at other men when there's like six or seven coming at you. You don't know which one you're going to hit first. That's scary. And then having to judge, looking at their hands. My thing was because I was the gang member and military already. I'm I I watch their hands. I need to know who's got a weapon in his hand because the one the ones that have weapons are the ones you got to go to first. The ones that don't have weapons, I don't care if you hit me. I got to watch the ones that have weapons because again, knives, handheld knives cause a lot of damage. And if they hit you anywhere from the neck up, it's probably immediately you're going to die. You got to watch these handheld knives they make because they're very brutal. Did you ever get stabbed? I did get stabbed twice, yes. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 tough, man. Yeah. <laughs> that, the worst that, thing I saw though was uh, I saw some kid basically get his head 
cut off for choosing the wrong affiliation with the wrong group of a different ethnicity and that was pretty intense pretty scary it, it was a, it was an attack that went on for a very long time and the cops didn't respond like they were supposed to and it was i shared it on the soft white underbelly uh in detail but uh it was a really the cops got scared and didn't react like they were supposed to and people were always talking about how how that's not true and cops are trained well number one contrary to a lot of myths all officers in prison are not military a lot of them are just people from the local counties that got a good job mind yeah. you when you introduce a female into a tower situation who's supposed to shoot you in certain acts of violence when you see certain acts of violence a lot of people that aren't used to that get scared also and this one particular incident this female corrections officer she froze when she was supposed to shoot this inmate that was stabbing another inmate because a lot of times when you see certain acts of violence it shocks you a lot of people are not used to seeing stuff like this even cops even guards not everyone is trained to see shit that's sometimes at this level of brutality and two, did, kids uh... were, two kids were stabbing another inmate aggressively for so long before they were finally noticed that when the female saw it she didn't shoot the kid's head was was cut off in a brutal act and she paused this female paused didn't do her job she got fired sued the prison was sued by this kid's family we heard eventually um it was it was very intense wow yeah wow and just because he chose the wrong affiliation so he went into prison instead of choosing white he chose he had he had chose the wrong affiliation with the with the black gang that he sh probably shouldn't have because you know social media and the world likes to let you know rap music is cool and it's cool to be from these gangs but they don't tell you that there's a huge history and legacy behind a lot of these gangs if you're not part of that ethnic group it's cool to hang out with them but to actually physically join comes with a serious set of consequences and if you're not prepared it's it comes down to like common sense and basic science whether it's politically correct people don't like it everyone wants to intermingle and get along and that's great for the rainbow hippie world that we're proposing today but when it comes to prison and when it comes to certain things in the world it doesn't matter if you're going to like what i say but a white kid has no business in a black gang and that's a reality and that's a fact whether people want to hear that or not all this diversity is great but when it comes to a white kid wanting to be a crip you have no understanding or business of knowing what it's like growing up in their culture on their streets or in their communities and for you to assume that you're going to be included and accepted and respected by them is something that's insane because even they won't protect you and respect you and back you up like you think when it comes down to these group of inmates are going to go to war with this group of inmates over some kid who's racially confused it's not a reality it's not even people give me shit when i say this they're like oh that's racist that's hateful it's actually not what i'm speaking on is the truth and it's sad that you might not want to hear the truth and sometimes the truth hurts but this isn't hateful it's a reality certain that's, that's things it. are this is not people, racist certain things are for certain people whether you like it or not and you can't fit a square into a rectangle peg or a diamond into a square peg whether you like to or not and men are not going to kill themselves over one man who's confused right and in so, fact contrary to a lot of popular rumors here's another rumor i want to i want to get rid of for the public um there is a lot of racism in jail but yet there's also a lot of there's a lot more of respect for different races than people give us credit for. Like I built friendships with blacks and crips and bloods sometimes better than I built with my own race. I have some friends that I've come home with that I stay in contact with that were black that like I can't even begin to tell you 
how much love you have for other men, even when you're different and you're going to war with these men. Like, you know, it's just like the service. You're, I'm going to war with these men. We might be on different sides, but you build friendships, living in buildings for years. We're living in shoeboxes with these other men as neighbors and inmates. You build friendship. You have respect. We might not get along due to racial division or different groups, but there are times where like, I've had a black guy tell me, hey, Mohawk, don't go to yard today. Something's going to crack off and I don't, you know what I mean? I'm looking out for you. A black guy would warn another white guy who's in a different race group. And like, it's just a common courtesy and a respect we get for one another that we share. And these, I'm still in contact with some of these black dudes that treated me better than white boys in jail. You build these friendships and bonds with people that it's, it's like, uh, what did my friend say the other day? A gangster recognizes a gangster. It doesn't really matter whether you're white, black, or Mexican or Asian. Some of us just have that in us and we can see it and smell it on another man. And we treat each other with respect. No, and, and, and some of these fantastic. relationships are strong and it's not always like, like the media wants to say, like, we're just black, hate whites, white, hate black. Well, yeah, that's there. That's there. But when you get past the surface layer, there's a lot more respect for the next group than they give us credit for. Yeah. I mean, it just goes to show that your life was probably saved. You know, I, by- I can honestly tell you a couple of times my life was saved by a black guy. And that's, and that's insane. Not a white guy, a black guy. And we are still friends to this day because of it. Did they do they integrate the races in jail? Like, would you be bunking with a black guy? No, or, that doesn't. They, the state it? of California tried to do that for a couple of years, but didn't go over well, and they had to they had to take it back. It's not like on the streets where you're going to force gay education in schools. In prison, yeah. they will violently kill. Each, I mean, you'll lose probably three, four hundred men in murder if you try to force inmates to do stuff like that. They're not going to. That's not going to happen. Yeah, because they tried it really and it didn't go over well, so they they pulled it back. Yeah, I mean, inmates really run the prison. They do. Well, because whatever, the whole movement of the prison depends on inmates. What we do for work, our jobs, all of our jobs working in the prison keep the prison running. And if we decide to strike, prison doesn't run. Interesting. What was your job while you were in? I didn't have, I wasn't, uh, I didn't get a job. I was, I was, I was always in and out of the hole. So anytime I was assigned a work job, I always lost it because I would be (laughs) back in the hole. No. Really? Was that just because of, you know, doing the drugs and stuff like that? Well, doing drugs and I was... Like I said, I got involved. I was trying to be that guy. Shot caller, whatever it is. No, 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 no. Okay. I never wanted to be a shot caller, nor was I ever a shot caller. I was involved at a good level, but I never, I never aspired to be the boss. And I, I, and I was never the boss. I was happy with the position I had and I had a decent position and that was okay with me. But was there always a sense of fear though, of somebody else wanting to get that? Well, that's the problem with wanting to be the boss. Wanting to be the boss comes with, being told on comes with um competition comes with you can get killed and someone take your spot when you're the number two or the number three guy like i was one of those you're always there you stationary you transfer leadership if the boss gets killed you transfer leadership if the boss gets told on you're always consistently there then you get to divvy out orders i get to accept an order or i can have someone else do it the boss has a lot more stress and danger than the number two or number three gotcha Gotcha. No, that's, it's, it is, it's, it's really, it's crazy. The perception we get out in here and, and then the reality of what actually goes on. The reality is far from what you guys are told. And that's why, you know, you get, and, and also it's, it's crazy to be be careful who is telling the story on the YouTube platform as well, because some of those guys are just talking out their ass. 
Yeah. They have their fucking diarrhea vomiting, you know? Yeah. There's everybody knows yeah. there's certain things. You sh- there's one guy that released a whole manuscript of our hidden, I'm not going to say his name, but a whole hidden manuscript of our sign language that we communicate with in the segregated housing unit. And we're a lot of us who've been there are sitting there like, why would you release that to the public? What does the public need to know how we, what our secret language is? Like, why would you do that? For views, for ratings, to make yourself look cool? Like that's, yeah. that's, that's, it's disrespectful to where we come from. I, 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 uh, I like to remember where I came from and still respect it and say that I was able to transition into a good positive lifestyle without disrespecting where I come from doing stuff like that disrespects where you come from. Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, that goes along with your loyalty, man. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you take your life experience and yep. you're also a loyal guy and fuck, you're committed Seems yep. like to when you put your mind to something, you're a committed guy. Yes, hundred percent. You know, so you get out. So you do the nine year stint. Uh, it turns into twelve. About twelve and a half. And I think twelve years is six months. Twelve years and six months. Yeah. Uh, you get out, uh, and then we're gonna stop right there. If you have a heroic story and you'd like to share it, get in contact with us. Our information's in the bio. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe, like, and share. And then I'll see you on the next episode, badasses.